0: Reveille, reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show.
1: I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we're back. It's Friday. It's your boy, uh, BC, the American Alpha on the ones and twos, right? Brian Campbell, they done f up right a a red eye flight and a low libido couldn't stop me i'm back at it morning combat the best fight talk show in the fight talk game you heard it right here i'm wearing all black so that you don't see how poor my complexion is after not sleeping last night but that's what it takes okay and that's why i'm here friday october 22nd 2021 my co-host is the best in the world at what he does being a cantankerous, amazing fight analyst, and a great dad, by the way, that sometimes gets lost in all of his extra, extra, extra curricular, uh, you know char- you know uh, characteristics, right? Flaws. It's Luke Thomas.
1: Hi B C. You look I can always tell when you're poorly slept and washed <laughs> because your your Pepe Le Pew intro is like i mean you barely got that far out you had to really struggle for that one so that is that welcome is true, back luke.
0: I don't what, know what time Jake? what time was your I flight don't.
1: back from the west coast
0: um i got in see the thing about red eye flights luke right and I'm, I'm no martyr here i'm no hero right i just I, I last minute flew to uh los angeles yesterday some of you saw for the uh Gervonta Davis, Rolando Romero, Showtime pay-per-view press conference at the Stable Center. Great, great times had by all, Luke. More on that to come. But I took a direct red-eye home, which got me in Hartford about uh, 5.45 a.m. And, Luke, you know Ooh. those red-eye flights. It's it's a little bit of Russian roulette because if you get in the right seat with the right legroom, the right person next to you, and the right everything, dude, you can sleep like a baby and you could steal a day, right? That's what this mm-hmm. whole time hopping is you could steal a day but if you don't sleep for whatever reason Luke choppiness you got a large heavy-set guy in the middle seat next to you um Jet Blue doesn't have first class I mean if you've got you know hurdles in your way Luke you you could done F up right
1: so you flew coach is what you're telling me (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> I done effed up, Luke, but uh, but I'm here just the same because you know I have uh, I have I have monster BDE. I also have that that red light addiction, Luke. Okay, you turn the camera on, I'll be here. All right, so we're back at it. We do have a great show today, despite my limited uh, abilities here. Uh, looking ahead to a loaded weekend to come in MMA, a little bit of box to sprinkle on that shit, a little bit of look back at all things. The new hero in this game, Roly Romero. I mean, look, can you just give me a little tease at your reaction to uh, to, to Roly Romero shtick yesterday, please, Luke? Please give us something. Uh,
1: he, he's. I think he's gonna get. I think he's gonna get hurt real bad. Um, he. I said this to you. He talks like a YouTube comment section. He just says <laughs> borderline nonsensical, totally outrageous, vulgar things to people. And then thinks he's like stunted on them, and then like walks <laughs> off, and it's like,
0: yeah, he kind of sounds like one half of Morning Combat in a way. No, look, he's he's legitimately like I tried to figure this out, and you had a great great joke with the YouTube comment section, but he's kind of like if you or I at like fifteen became like a star in something and were like you know covered in millions of dollars and had no supervision. That's who that's who we would be. We would be Rolly Romero.
1: Yeah, he's a. I think that's actually even better. He's like a thirteen-year-old child star in an adult person's body, so like he's the kind of he's like Tom Hanks in Big, only a, yeah. you know, um, pro- probably a little bit dumber. But he, <laughs> you know, he's he the it. kind of guy who'd be like, "Yo, I got two dogs. One of them is named Nitrous. The other one I named Big Ass Titties, just because I could." <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, Island Boys. Anyone know the Island Boys? Uh, you, you see that meme going around, Luke, with those two dogs? No. That's What, what, is, could what roll are like the it. Island Boys? Oh, boy. We got to get that and have you seen the shit on Monday. Put a pin in that. All right, Luke, let's get to do it through a little bit of business. Of course, uh, one of the labels that pays us is the Great Network, Showtime. And if you want to try 30 Days Free, dude, why the hell wouldn't you? You want to see Fedor's return to Moscow on Saturday afternoon? You're going to have to see that only on Showtime. Go to Showtime.com, 30 day free trial. You'll get that. You'll get championship boxing. You'll get all access Canelo plan. You get a lot of good stuff in their billions. Uh get that 30-day free trial at the end of it. You'll have the option to pound Sam, but I think you'll you'll click that that, you know, you'll click that button. All right. Uh Luke, um, you got anything to say about merch? I mean, this shit's great, right?
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's moving. I've got one of the MK ones. Uh this one has the oh well, lower thirds are covering it up now, but um, it's the there we go. It's the it's the new MK shirt which has got the sort of bleeding ho- this is this is by the way only a, the Halloween edition. So it's got a little bit of ble- bleeding on the back and I think the or the front rather. And I think the back has I'm going to turn over here. Does it have donk Yeah, it's got donk written on the back on the inside of the horse or whatever that is. So the donkey rather. Excuse me. Yeah. Um so uh yes, these are available morningcombat.store plus you can get me as dia de los muertos and some other stuff. It's pretty fun
0: great shit there on Morningcombat.store. check that out drug rugs on the way i'm <laughs> on, on, on the freaking way folks
1: they wow. really are on the way wow. that's a real thing that's happening
0: wow uh luke can we shout out uh quickly you know people are like all right all right guys all right can we get into the show already um maybe our our greatest fan no not web scream not damien the donk Two to you know hall of fame mk fans how about O'Teal burbridge of dead and company the fine bassist who was at red rocks the other night Wearing our man love T-shirt as he's slapping that bass in 30 degree weather, Luke. That's that's, that's commitment. Okay. That's, that's love.
1: That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So shouts to O'Teal, and um, don't get frostbite on account of us. But yeah, if you yeah. do, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it looked it looked uh, you know what do they say, Luke? It looked colder than, than a uh, witch's titty. Is that a thing, Luke? Or is that only where I? Which,
1: which I don't quite understand what even that's supposed to mean. But yes, yeah. that is the phrase. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah you'll probably see more of that on fan subs uh, next week all right Luke all that bonanza behind us I'm not missing any key sponsorships so anyone need a loan <laughs> can we have your car title is that okay
1: maybe your I firstborn mean, child I mean, at
0: least at least we can laugh about it Luke right you know it's <laughs> like it's like those executives at Philip Morris or whatever like they go home and they're like man we killed a few people we made a lot of money today though right Luke
1: I don't know if we killed anybody with what we were doing, but uh, we definitely took a piece of our own soul for that. Yeah. I and mean, We didn't even get a check from it. It just went to the show.
0: Yeah, damn show. I'll uh, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Hey, you make it funny, you may get a $50 gift card in your hand. So enough uh, BS. Let's move that shit out of the way. Let's get into the main BS of this show. The fights, Saturday night, Vegas, fight night, the UFC. Not a deep card, but a main event. In the middleweight division, or so we originally thought, that we had to see two former title challengers, both coming off a loss to the champion Israel Adesanya, when Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori headlined this UFC fight night. Can I finish my shake there? Sorry about that. Um, Luke, this has become nothing short of a soap opera, with the Brazilian hunk Paulo Costa admitting mid-fight week that, nah, brah, I ain't going to make the 185-pound or 186-pound non-title middleweight limit. In fact, I might be about 20 or so off. We're going to have to move this shit up to 205. Luke, as we stand right now, you're still going to get that main event. It will be contested at light heavyweight, Costa Vittori. Still a great fight on paper. But how do you begin to even... I don't know, armchair quarterback here. You know, put on your uh, Robin Williams Goodwill hunting hat for a second. You guys have the same beard. Um, and, and really, Luke, first of all, it's not your fault. But second of all, what the hell's going on here?
1: This is a bad one, man. Like, as we said on Wednesday, Paulo Costa came out of the Adesanya fight quite damaged. He didn't take a brutal beating or anything, although he did get stopped with strikes, but it wasn't a whole lot that happened there. Um, but after the fight was over, as we all remember, he came out, Paulo Costa did, with a series of excuses about not being able to sleep and drinking wine and blah, blah, blah. There's just a lot that he was injured or something. Remember that whole part of the story? It wouldn't tell us what injury it was. Or I think it was maybe one of the arms. But um, even then, it would, there was never any evidence provided for these claims. They just made claims about it. So it was a bit of a disaster. And then, you know, obviously Adesanya taunted him after the fact. Adesanya put out a video on his personal website, uh, or his personal YouTube channel, I should say, and he kind of discussed this. And, dude, I'm not one of these guys that's usually all that big on, like, oh, once a fighter who views themselves as invincible loses, they they can never regain that confidence. I've seen guys and ladies who meet that makeup just completely annihilate that, that script. However... That kind of a s- assessment of fighters was born out of the reality that sometimes it actually can happen. Now, I don't know, BC, if it's happening here, but, dude, this is like Red Flag City. Yes. Where you come in way overweight. You promise to make 195, so they they spot you basically, what, nine pounds? Because you could have been 186 for the original. They spot you nine pounds, frankly, even a full 10, because you could have been 196, I guess, or whatever. Uh And then you can't make that. Then they have to go to another weight class for this at the last minute just so the fight can happen. By the way, this isn't just some random fight on the card. This is A, Costa's first fight back since losing in a title fight, and B, it's the fucking main event. This is the crown jewel of the card. We're talking about two guys inside the top five. This is utterly inexcusable. I, I know that some folks have made some comparisons to Nick Diaz, what he did against Robbie Lawler, And saying, like, we go to the fight, I can't make the weight. And that's not great either, BC, but I think you could agree to some differences. Number one, that wasn't the main event. There were two fights above that one, although it was a big one. It was on pay-per-view. But neither Diaz nor Lawler, I think, are ranked. Or if Lawler was ranked, it was barely. Uh, Diaz coming off of a five-year layoff, I'm not saying that's good, but I can sort of, like, squint and be like, okay, well, it's just, you know, not the best circumstances, but I can kind of understand it. But... Even then, I'd be willing to go with this. I tweeted this before the show, Brian. I wonder what you think of this. Again, Guillerme Cruz in Brazil has done reporting on regional, international-level shows that have employed uh, punishments like this. My idea is everyone wants to take more money from them. I tend to think that doesn't really solve the problem, and now you just make poor fighters even poorer. I mean, they're already underpaid. You want to take more money from them? Take a point. Start the first round. You're already down to a nine. Take a point. And it turns out there actually is some evidence to suggest that that can have an effect both in terms of giving a boost to the person who made weight, but in other cases, it's been shown that the guys who missed weight used that as an incentive to fight in a way that better guaranteed their chances through stoppage. It has the kind of effect, in other words, that you would want it to have. I think we should explore it. In any case, this is a bad sign for his chances, and otherwise, for a main event, two top five guys, inexcusable.
0: Yeah, he did hop on the scale, and he looked ripped for this now light heavyweight bout, and they did rip up the contracts, and you know I think Kevin Ioli spoke to Hunter Campbell of the UFC Legal Brass, and of course, as you mentioned, Paulo Costa took a hit financially. I would agree with you that I'd like to see that type of big change, so it's not... In boxing in the past, Luke, at the highest level, we'd seen the gaming of the system a bit. People remember when Floyd Mayweather came back from that long layoff to fight Juan Manuel Marquez, and he purposely weighed in. At 147 for a 144 catchweight bout and just like, okay, I'll, I'll pay the penalty to have this advantage, right? I don't, you don't want to see anyone, you know, using the system, but obviously there's monster red flags, as you say, which is why the armchair psychologist comes into play here to try to figure it out. I get, I get, you know, the, there's a bunch of choices. One of them is what you mentioned, Adesanya's comments on that YouTube video saying, I feel like I broke this guy. I feel like he broke mentally. Uh, the era of invincibility is gone. He went on to say a bunch of other stuff about the bravado and stuff. You could look at it as, is this Costa just full-on embracing the heel role? And I've heard some uh, that I won't say their names have been speculating. Luke, is this like Costa realizes that, This card sucks. They don't have anybody else. The fight's going to go on, so why doesn't he try to give himself a little bit of an advantage? I mean, I saw Aaron Bronstetter tweet out, you know, devil's advocate. Would you rather him come out in the middle of the week and tell us like he did, or would you rather him wait until Friday and weigh in disastrously overweight, and then it's harder to keep the fight together? Okay, whatever on that. It's still... The problem is Costa's the problem. So, Luke, I wonder... Look, that admission about the wine ahead of his title fight is so bizarre and out of left field that it's like, is that a fake excuse to cover up whatever was really happening, whether it was, you know, stage fright, whether it was an injury or whatever, I don't know. Or did he just openly admit that there's a major problem in his personal life? I don't know, Luke. I'm not speculating alcoholism here or something necessarily without knowing. But this was the big make good comeback fight for Costa to put all of that stuff behind him. And to have this happen and to see his response in interviews, and by the way, I do give a little leeway for the fact that it's, you know, English is not his first language, so you never really know what you get. But I saw those Brett Okamoto ESPN videos where they have Vittori and Costa on the same, what, Instagram, you know, chat feed thing there, whatever the kids are doing. And, you know, Vittori's like, ha-ha, you sound like you're drunk now, almost re-quoting that GSP Bizpin quote. And, uh, you know, Costa's like, oh, not yet. So, look, I am wondering, you know, If he's at a point in his life where he's functioning, he's still in great shape, he's still getting himself into these fights, but he's not really at the controls of the wheel, which some of us in our life have gone through some of these stretches. And he's just in damage control and doesn't know what else to do. So it's just sort of like, yeah, we'll fight me at 205, you pussy. You know, that was basically more or less his response, right? Like, so I think that, you know, we really have to look deeper into this. For this to happen for Costa and have second straight monster. Bad PR debacle hurt his chances of the small window that every, you know, very few fighters get a small window to be a true title contender at the peak of their prime. And in the two biggest moments related to that, the third one being the Romero fight, which he fought his ass off and won that, you know, he came up empty. He came up embarrassingly empty. Look, that's got to be something deeper in his personal life that is majorly flawed right now. And to the point where it's like, If they had just canceled this fight, business-wise, you couldn't do it. This card is not strong. But this was such a left-field, bizarre thing that, you know, I almost wish they would just cancel it, and and that would be Costa's penalty, and he'd have to go figure out whatever the hell is happening in his life, Luke, that's causing this.
1: Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, let's see how he performs on Saturday before we completely bury him. I tend to think that a guy with power like that, with Vittori's aggression— one never knows he is ranked higher than Vittori I believe that's right I have to go and double check that but I believe that is correct don't super dead wrong me on that but um yeah there's at a bare minimum competitively the red flags are enormous but to your point the red flags are so enormous professionally you wonder if they are fruits of the fact that he has red flags in his personal life on that level I don't know but I, I just feel like I'm really, I want to make clear, I'm not in any way for saying we should look the other way. I mean, they're they're up 20 pounds, 20 pounds from where they were supposed to be. Whatever advantages that confers for Paulo, they're probably significant, which may or may not tilt the balance. I'm just saying this idea of like we should just take all their money, I really am against that. I'm really against taking, you can find them 20%, 30% at most, depending on the commission, But for a sport where an arguable monopolistic power has suppressed wages and then we're going to say we're going to punish them with more monetary fines on top of that, I just find a little bit uh, unfair and maybe even odious. But taking points from how they want to compete, especially if it's a five-round fight, if it was three rounds, you'd be like, well, that's a little bit more. uh, Taking one point can obviously have huge consequences, which is still true for a five. But it's not as pronounced. And again, I'm gonna say it one more time, dude. This is the main event. And I know UFC's churning out cards just to meet minimums to get their contractual pay money with ESPN. I get it, I understand. But they did place them at the top of the card. They 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 put them there. You have a bit of a responsibility here, man. And you're up a fucking weight class. Like it's it's really the, yeah. Not the worst look imaginable, but it's a bad one, very bad one.
0: Look, before we transition into who wins and why, and by the way, we do have a YouTube poll in the comments section of the live Morning Combat stream at youtube.com slash Morning Combat. And right now, I believe, se- what, 75% of our, of our fans think Vittori's going to win now, and you see a shift in the betting odds, which has Vittori minus 180, Costa plus 155. So we'll get to that in a second, but when you brought up the... Hey, I wonder if Adesanya broke him, you know, in response to Adesanya's comments. The problem I have with that is because what the first infraction, the major infraction from Costa involving the the wine, came before the fight. So does that does that you know sort of say that the trash talk and the build up and the pressure leading into that fight is what broke him, or do you think you know uh, Adesanya actually broke him in the cage by sort of disarming him and? and he'll never be the same cuz he didn't look like he was the same the night before now that we know all these facts.
1: Yeah, I mean again, there's just there's too much missing information to make a broad declaration about what is wrong. But in that fight, at a bare minimum you like you don't I mean, you don't think Adasanya was nervous the night before? I think all these guys are probably pretty nervous, but the difference is in how they handle that. In the fight itself, dude, he he just got asked to do something he normally doesn't do. Um, he got, it's the same thing Arlo, I told you before, it's the same thing Arlovski does to these, these middling heavyweights. He makes them pass an IQ test and either they can and they beat them or they can't. And then they realize there's a different level to this that they have to graduate to if they want to really ascend the rankings. Uh, that's what he did. He slowed the fight down. He kept it at distance. He didn't let him blitz him. He leg kicked him to constantly hurt and then reset him. And by the time he was even trying to close the distance, he got countered and blown up. And that was all she wrote. I mean, he got... He got beaten like, thoroughly in that one. He got shown that there's a level of thoughtfulness to this game that he hasn't even approached. And so, you know, did that... Adesanya's crit- critique is that he had this entire idea of invincibility prior to beating him, and then Adesanya polishes him off, pretends to get him pregnant. Remember that whole thing? Oh, yeah. And he just couldn't deal with what the implications of that meant. We'll see about that on Saturday night. But to your point, if it's even happening before the fight, did it really happen in the fight? I'll say this: that fight with Adesanya didn't help. It, whatever was wrong before, it made it a lot worse, and probably caused its own set of unique problems. So this was, a, and this is the problem, dude. I've said it before: Vittori's twenty-seven. Now is the time to beat Vittori. This is the window. Before he reaches his physical prime and he really begins to put all the skills together. This is it. Adesanya realized that. Get it done now. Uh, apparently Costa didn't get that message. He still might win. Of course, we have to be cognizant of that fact. He does have big power. But um, it's just, a, it's just a, it's so many errors compounding the, the overall problem.
0: Yeah, it's like, could he erase a lot of those with a knockout, well, it could erase some, but this has taken such more bizarre twists and turns. It's, it's going to be tough to overcome this. Luke, as we look at those betting odds that I mentioned, minus 180 for Vittori, plus 155 for Costa, how much does the move to 205 affect the strategies of this fight, the performance of both guys in this fight?
1: Well, here's the thing. He misses, well, he made weight, by the way, 204.5, so he actually made with a little bit of um, a window there. He didn't actually make the cut, um, so I don't know how drained he is. But at the same time, it's like why wasn't your weight lower? So if I'm Vittori, I'm gonna I'm gonna press. Uh, you can't allow Costa to back you up, and you can't unless you're really sophisticated with your striking. And I do think, by the way, Vittori has pretty good striking. I think it's going to get very good in probably a few years. But to answer the question, I, I think it's probably the same kind of strategy, and the reason why is the original strategy, which I'm going to guess is backing up Costa, putting him against the fence, wrestling him against the fence, and then getting him on the ground if possible, that's already going to be the thing that's going to take advantage of a guy who doesn't have proper prep, and so you can just keep with that if you need to. Might they go a slightly different direction? Rafael Cordero is a master strategist, so I suspect he probably will if, if need be, but I think if he's putting Costa on the heels, has him in the warning track, and is wrestling him against the fence... That is very much a fight Vittori can and probably, if it gets to that point, should win.
0: Vittori is such a, is there a nice way to say this, a psychopath when it comes to fighting Luke that I wonder if all this drama makes this more of a, of a shootout. I wonder if we get a poor man's Co- Costa versus Romero, which would be fantastic. See, I think,
1: I think you're kind of asking a slightly, the slightly wrong question. Because you're talking about what changes, I mean, no, 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 actually it's not the wrong question, but let me just put it this way. You're talking about what changes Vittori might make by virtue of what he's getting with this opponent who appears to be unprepared or something's wrong, right? But I actually think it's the opposite. Let me give you an example. Look at their stances. Costa stands Orthodox, Vittori is Southpaw. So that means they're going to be open like this, which is going to set up any number of things rear kicks rear punches whatever but it's also going to make the near side leg of costa a lot well i mean they're open right so i mean as opposed to whatever you get the idea it means that that near side lead leg of costa is going to be near him i did a i have actually i've never filmed it but i did a breakdown in in my work of the fight the second fight between costa excuse me the second fight between vittori and adesanya and what you notice in that fight is they have an open stance too where Adesanya switches, but he would predominantly be in orthodox stance. In the rematch, he actually changed that a lot. Now, I don't know why he did that, but here's my hunch. My hunch is that he did that, where even if he's still as close, he's taking away that lead leg entry by switching his stance to southpaw, and therefore to get to the lead leg, a guy like Vittori has to shoot across, not just literally lean over and pick up that leg. So to answer your question, like what changes might Vittori make, I don't know. Probably not a whole lot. But what Costa has to deal with are questions like that. And the blueprint, to an, extent, to an extent, has already been laid. Did Costa do his homework? Did his team prepare for that? Because if they didn't make those kinds of adjustments to keep a guy like Vittori guessing and having to work a little bit harder, it might be a long night. One other thing I want to point out, average fight time, BC, for Marvin Vittori is nearly 16 minutes. He is used to going for long stretches. Average fight time for Paulo Costa is just seven and a half minutes. Now, partly that's due to him bulldozing people who don't last very long. But Vittori typically doesn't get bulldozed. So if this fight goes long, now what happens? Remember, I thought Romero won that fight against Costa, and at a bare minimum, he won that third round. This one could get interesting if it goes long.
0: Absolutely. It's just such a wild card factor. Does this weight change give an advantage to Costa? Or is has this been a training camp from hell, and we are... We're going down that slide, so it, it makes an interesting betting equation. One that I don't have the the right or or confident answer to lean in that direction. I do want to ask you something that would seem off topic and ill placed, Luke. But you know we do cover all bases on this show because of how often Vittori gets memed online with comparisons to Sloth from Goonies. Do you think he should avoid that altogether, or just like do an Anthony Davis unibrow and lean into it and come out to the the classic '80s hit "The Goonies" are good enough by Cyndi Lauper on Saturday.
1: You gotta you gotta lean into it because the unibrow from Anthony Davis is tilting, but he has made it work for him. He has marketing opportunities behind it now, quite literally. I think if I'm Vittori, I do one Halloween, or I do I go all in on sloth. I get as close as I can. I make a huge joke about it, and then I let the internet do what it does. And I think at that point they might like, oh, he likes to laugh at himself. We can move on now. We'll yeah. see.
0: Well, our our producers want us to move on, so we move on by doing your favorite thing, putting your face in front of a camera and making a pick. Luke, I'll jump in front of you and say this. This does not make me feel good betting-wise. I don't know where to go, so it makes me want to make a safe bet. How about Vittori as a slight underdog by decision? That feels like a... There's too much batshit craziness around me. I'm expecting a war. What I'll probably get is an oddly slow and tactical fight that somehow ends up going the distance. And Vittori wins it with wrestling, Luke. How how do you like them apples?
1: I like Vittori as well. By the way, both of their last fights were losses to Adesanya, but who performed better? I would say Vittori performed significantly better, even if he had a bit of a shutout there, just the same. But look at some of the other wins that a guy like Vittori has recently. Holland, Hermanson, Roberson. And then previously to that, Sanchez. For the case of Costa, he has the win over Romero, which is big. The win over Hall is nice. But then Hendricks and Bangboche, two guys who I'm not even sure are in MMA anymore. Um, so I would say actually that the strength of schedule is stronger for Vittori. I think he's got more ways to win. I think he's got ways to slow down and drag the fight late. And again, the weight cutting part is hard to know. It's like, did going up with the weight class save the fight yes did it confer advantage upon paulo costa well relative to cutting the weight it certainly did but vittori already had a gas tank and now he didn't have to cut hardly any weight to make 205 pounds so it probably is going to help him a little bit too i like vittori's chances here for sure
0: yeah with you on that one lucas we head to up and down this card there's not a lot to talk about what do you want to talk about
1: <laughs> all right so if you look at the card up and down what's kind of nice rick rick Len, former i think world series of fighting Champion taking on Grant Dawson. It should be a little bit fun. Uh, I got my eye on that. Jessica Rose Clark is back. Curious to see what she has against Jocelyn Edwards. I think the one that I'm probably most paying attention to is all the way down at the very bottom. Jonathan Martinez taking on Zviad Lazish-Wheely, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Or Vili, I'm not sure. My, I don't uh, speak Georgian. Um, but Zviad lazish Veli. I'm going to say it that way. He's actually a local kid out of this area. He trains, I think... Uh, God, what's the gym he is out of? It's not Clinch Academy. It is, forgive me. He's from the Northern Virginia area. He is originally from the country of Georgia. He's actually the reigning, although now I guess he has to give it up to go to UFC. He got called in on short notice. He was the reigning LFA bantamweight champion, and he's undefeated. I looked at some tape on the guy. He is a fucking stud, man. He can fight his ass off, and this is the opener on the card. How far he will go in MMA... Your guess is as good as mine, but when we talk about top prospects, an undefeated Georgian who holds a belt and perhaps the top feeder organization into the UFC, yeah, I got my eye on that kid for sure.
0: I'll be watching this Bruce Leroy fight closely at featherweight, Luke, because at 33, it seems like Alex Caceres is trying hard to turn that corner and not just be a fun attraction. I mean, four straight wins, five of his last six. Uh, he seems to be almost pulling like a Jeremy Stevens. Later half of career, I'm going to get super serious and figure out the mistakes I've been making, and we'll see what I can do in this run. So we'll see what he can do, Luke, on Saturday um, Real quick, against uh, Songwu Choi. Uh,
1: Zavia Laz- Lazishvili. again, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, who's undefeated. He is out of Kaizen MMA. Shouts to the folks at Kaizen MMA in Northern Virginia.
0: Shout out to them. Luke, is there is there actually an MMA scene in the D.C. area with the exception of your boy Ryan Hall?
1: Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, there's Clinch Academy. The Yamasakis have like eight or nine schools in the area. There's, of course, you know, there's some controversy about it, but there's the Lloyd Irvin schools. Um, there is Kaizen MMA. There is a bunch of uh, top schools. I mean, when you I say said top, those names.
0: I mean, you said those names, but I'm saying is that is there a history of producing people born in that area of, of you know, big time MMA talent?
1: Big-time MMA talent, no. People born in that area, no. As you know, probably the best boxer to come out of here is either Mark Too Sharp John- um, Johnson, right? Or am I getting his name wrong? No, you got Too- it. Too Sharp. What the fuck is his last name? Um, you
0: talking about right? Mark Johnson?
1: Too-, Too Sharp. What was his last name? Johnson. Yes. I, I couldn't remember. Uh, yes, Mark Johnson. So yeah. he-, he was out of this area. Lamont Peterson came from here. He beat Amir Khan controversially, but he had some weight class titles. Those are probably the two best boxers that I know of. Mike Easton made it to the UFC. Now you got this guy, but he's natively born in Georgia. What I would say is what you have now is um, on the grappling scene, it deserves to be noted that the guys from Lloyd Irvin, in particular um, some of the guys out of Crazy 88, who is an affiliate of there, they're actually winning all the time now. Um, But in terms of high-level MMA fighters, you see them good enough to make it to the UFC pretty consistently. Winning at a high level at the UFC has been something that has eluded people from this area. So um, yeah, that's about what into, I would say.
0: They're too into like their education and shit, you know. And no, kind of I, like don't think, I, don't,
1: I don't think that's the issue. I doubt yeah. that's the issue.
0: Um, would you say that you're the most successful in the MMA space of native Indians?
1: <laughs> you mean more than like Chamatkar Sandu?
0: Yes. I th- isn't he a native yeah. Terranin? Or did I screw up He's
1: a lot more Indian than I am. Let's put it that way. A lot.
0: Shout out to your folks, Luke. Uh, Let's transition to another great MMA card we've got on Saturday afternoon. Moscow, Russia. Our friends at Showtime and Bellator MMA making the trip to Mother Russia for Bellator 269. And Luke, we talked about the storylines coming in. I don't care where you stand. Fedor's coming back. You kind of got to see it. I mean, you do. It's nostalgia. It's always a shootout. It's I get you or you get me first. And that's what we've got for the 45-year-old heavyweight legend who says this is the penultimate fight of his great 21-year career when he welcomes his hand-picked choice, Timothy Johnson of the U.S., fresh off losing that five-round interim heavyweight title bout to Valentin Moldovsky, a a close-ish decision, a good performance from Johnson. Well, Luke, he's going to enter here as the betting favorite. I think we could guess that given his size, his wrestling ability, minus 165 against the, the, not the hometown, but the home country favorite in Fedor, plus 145. Luke, you and I were on CBS Sports HQ this morning, and it's like, uh, tune in for the first 90 seconds, because that's a Fedor fight. Right? It's like he's still quick enough and strong enough in, a, in an odd way to get you if you're not fully prepared. Or if you're Frank Mir and you get touched and you go, alright, I'm going to brawl. But the history of the last ten years shows us it goes past four or five minutes. It, it goes downhill quick. How much do you think the home crowd, the return to Moscow, Showtime and Bellator making this a thing boys bo- buoys? Boi, buoys. That's the word, right? Boyi. Buoys. Do you know the word the buoy as a verb, Luke? To lift, right? To it's like a life lifeboat, right? It's like a dinghy. Yes. How much do you think Mother Russia, boyies, Fedor, in this fight?
1: I mean, it gave him the Fabio Maldonado win when he was fighting in fucking Fight Nights Global Fifty right I mean he got that fight should have been stopped like seven or eight times in Maldonado's favor they just said fuck it if Fedor dies he dies if he doesn't he wins and basically he found a way to win via majority decision there which is just unfathomable if you watch that one live but dude just ask yourself a question when was the last time he beat a guy at heavyweight who was remotely in their prime or even like close to being ranked I mean how far back do you have to go like I mean, Brett, Brett. listen to these, these heavyweights, heavyweights. Chael Sonnen, not a heavyweight. Frank Mir, long past it. Fabio Maldonado, not, doesn't even count. Jai Deep Singh, no. Pedro Hizo in in 2012, no, he was past it. Satoshi Ishii, Jeff Monson, past it. You have to go all the way back to a winning Brett Rogers. That was 2009. And he 2009. Took,
0: Luke, he took heavy punishment in that fight, Fedor.
1: Heavy. Yeah, he He did. And then lost three in a row after it. So my point no, but being is... No, that fight
0: is, was a, a sneaky war, Luke. People forget. They forget. Yes.
1: It, it, everyone remembers the big punch at the end that sat Rogers down. And for that, they're like, oh, you know, you know Fedor's... Up, the win streak continues. Right. But that was a little bit dicey and, was, and it, it told us what was coming after the fact with Verdum and Silva and Henderson. Anyway, my only point being is, like, this is Timothy Johnson's fight to lose. I get that he had to travel for this. In a long distance, I get that the hometown crowd is going to be bigging up Fedor in the biggest way they could. And I get that there always could be some, you know, who knows what the commission might do in that part of the neck of the woods. However, however, Timothy Johnson is experienced at this point. He does have a good chin. He can wrestle well. He can wrestle well against the fence. He's much bigger than Fedor naturally. And I think if he gets on top, Fedor's in big trouble. So I'm with you. Fedor's speed early could always be a problem. He's always been a hard hitter. But he's got big looping punches. A guy like Timothy Johnson should be able to manage that and should be able to get the win.
0: Look, Fedor's twilight is very sneaky because you can go as far back. Look, he got he got caught against Verdum and got submitted. Okay, yeah, the Rogers fight before that was like a harbinger of the doom to come. But really, the Bigfoot Silva fight—one of to be fair, one of the saddest—as an MMA fan watching that take place, that with that weight difference and Bigfoot just pancaking him and sitting on his face basically and ground and pounding him that was 10 years ago that was the sharp begin of fedor's slide his twilight his you know his last chapter yet i think we all thought like it was done then for him to you know go through that go through the war against hendo and lose but yet in the past 10 years he's actually eight and four overall he's had such interesting pockets of reinvention where Like, you're not really sure he's actually still all that good, but he could catch you. Now, could he catch Prime, guys? No, to your point. But do you think it's as extreme, now that we're talking about sort of this this arc of Fedor, to go as far as what DC did, Daniel Cormier, on his new debate show, which has made headlines in the past 24 hours, where he basically said... Look, I love Fedor like you guys, but if he came to the UFC in that 2009 to 2011 window when Dana and company were trying to, like, crazy to make that Randy fight or even the Brock Lesnar fight, um, he would have been average at best. Luke, when you hear that, it's abrasive. But when you actually go back and begin with that Brett Rogers fight, is is DC onto something?
1: No, he's not onto something at all. Um, so if you actually look up, the rankings at that time, we can. I can tell you what they were in January of 2009 in, in MMA. Now, again, you can say the rankings were misplaced, but just listen to the names in the top 10, okay? Alistair Overeem, which we got, I would have loved to have seen it back then. Gabriel Gonzaga, Tim Sylvia, Randy Couture, Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir, uh, Noguera, Barnett, Arlovsky, and emilianenko understand by the time we, that you even got a Noguera In the UFC, Fedor had already pasted him. I think twice, as a matter of fact. Um, He had already beaten him handily, and that's, at worst, the number four guy in the world. And again, you have Tim Sylvia at eight, and he beat him like a drum, like it was nothing. I mean, the idea that he would be, like, would he be the very best guy in 2009 if he had come to the UFC? I think that is very debatable, and probably not. I would have picked maybe someone else to beat him average at best he's already top five
0: at worst let me explain this and yes when he his last you know big win as we said was brett rogers and he defended the whamma heavyweight championship remember that shit luke remember the Mm whamma remember the whamma pit or the bet what pit remember that pit too that that was that was the yamma pit pit. yamma belt Butterbean used to love that yamma pit that that bastard um what i'm trying to say is the word "average" is the problem in this DC debate. But if I if I give you his his bullets that he was using to form this opinion, he said, "Look, do I think he could have beat Brock? Then yes, but you saw what happened going life or death with Rogers. You saw Verdum tap him. You saw Dan Hendo getting a you know slugfest with him and, and get a knockout. He believes that Junior Dos Santos and Cain Velasquez, both in their prime back then, would have been problems for him. And outside of a Lesnar win, he does not see." Fedor beating the upper elite of the UFC. Now, Luke, that could be a little bit different than calling a guy average, but, dude, he did go life or death with Brett Rogers, so I just want to be, like, fair in my Fedor history here. I'm not on the Dana side by any means. Yes, but you, I, think but, like, it is,
1: I think it is very fair to question exactly how good he was and how far he would have gone. Again, to your point, right after that, he goes to strike force and he has a three-fight losing streak, including but not limited to Losing to Dan fucking Henderson, who was a great fighter, but at the time, that was well, seemingly Well, don't take impossible. that away from
0: him. Yeah, don't take that shit away from Dan Hendo. That's a great fight. I'm
1: not. So it's maybe one of Dan Hender- Henderson's more incredible wins. All I'm pointing out is, if you want to say he wasn't the best, fine, you could say he wasn't the best. What is he, top five at worst? To so call him average at best, it just doesn't match the record at all. It's not a justifiable opinion. Uh, it's
0: Now, is I'm that sorry. a is that a corporate DC move? Is that a... Is that a like Yeah,
1: I mean a little bit. I think DC likes Dana. Maybe he's influenced by him. And again, dude, there had there was a long time. There's a long time. Folks may not remember this. There was a long time where. And also remember that at the time that Fedor was, you know, changing the world at for everyone in Strike Force, there was a little known guy in Cormier. I, I have to see exactly if their timelines overlap, but I do believe that Cormier was at least on the radar at some level at a time when Fedor was doing what he was doing. And so he probably, you know. There might be some I don't know hard feelings exactly, but there was definitely an overrating of Fedor for a certain time in his career. That 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 is not that's not controversial. If that's what DC means, then he is hundred percent correct. There was clear overrating of him, especially uh, um, uh, through the before the Vadum fight. What I'm pointing out is, at that time, even a declined Fedor, which you can acknowledge he probably was, was still capable of beating. I would say most of the top ten heavyweights, and in fact did. Beaten many of the top 10 heavyweights in that particular uh, ranking system. I think you just can't look past that. You have to acknowledge that part too.
0: Absolutely. I'm with you on that. I thought that was a, a fair way. You didn't need science, but it was a fair way to get to that conclusion. Luke, uh, it doesn't matter what Fedor would have done against Couture in 2009. It matters what he still has the chance to do against Timothy Johnson, a minus 165 favorite, as I mentioned. We have a poll on YouTube with our fans uh, which is great again to move that misogyny and other bullshit off of that platform and let's get real here. Uh, 51% believe Fedor can do it. So the question isn't can he still do it. I mean, it's you know, watch the Mitrione fight. Watch watch these recent ones. He'll get you in the first 90 seconds. You stand you stand in the damn pocket with that man, Luke. You st- still got a fastball, bro. Uh, can you do it against Tim Johnson under, the, under this setting, Luke? Because if he does, it's going to be one of those rare, great, feel good moments that we get as fans and journalists where it's like, shit, man, I didn't expect that to feel that good. I mean, the crowd's going to go crazy, Luke. Um, he probably read a lot of Russian novels ahead of this to get. Could he, can he pull this upset, Luke?
1: I think he could. And by the way, I sent you that picture of Fedor reading a book, and you completely ignored it. I mean, yeah, I, I know so the his...
0: shit out of that. Like Fedor did to my interview right after yours, that I was so dude. You have no idea how excited I was. My goal was to become the first person to disarm him, like really get him to chuckle through the interpretation. Maybe go way too far down roads you would expect me to go if I was coming in there looking to go way too far. I would have went there, Luke. Okay, for the art.
1: It would have it would have bombed anyway, the point being is uh, like minded but it, the the point being is do I think Fedor could do it I do think he could do it if you look at the odds by the way they don't have him as like Tim Johnson as some grand favorite uh, as I think you've ignored you read him before I think it was what minus one sixty five something like that so it's not some huge difference between them and I do think dude if Timothy Johnson is not careful early, Fedor I think still could put him away it reminds me of Vitor. At the end of his run in UFC, he was getting beaten. But what folks forget is he wasn't even good for a round. But, but, the first three minutes of a round, he was a tough guy to still beat. For three minutes, he had good reflexes. He had good speed. He still had good power. He could catch you. And so you had to kind of wait it out a little bit, then take him down. And then, of course, you know everything would fall apart thereafter. But I don't know what the window is for Fedor, a round or two or whatever, maybe less. But I do think that the he is going to be dangerous there. It's just that once you get out of that, at that point, it's hard to see how he wins.
0: Yeah, I I, I mean, a round or two, Luke. Come on, let's give him 90 good hard seconds, and then it's going to get sloppy as shit. Uh, 90 I if, good hard
1: seconds is the story of my teenage love affairs. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually, that's, that's, that's generous, yeah. Uh, Luke, I, I do... Um, I am not. Okay, I'll come around. I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I'm going to see this shit. Um, it's going to it's going to air what? Do you know what the main card starts? It's it's afternoon our time on the East Coast here, Luke, on Showtime.
1: I don't, but I'll look it up uh, Thank so you I, we that. don't
0: completely fuck this up. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that, Luke. Uh, so, look, Timothy Johnson, I believe if he works the clinch, if he wrestles, if he just waits, his chances are going to I- increase exponentially. Um, we're not going to the full three rounds here.
1: Main I think card. Baker's,
0: say Sorry. it.
1: Go ahead, Luke. Main, car, main card starts at 3 p.m. in the East. Main event, approximately 4 30 p.m. in the East. So, only, remember,
0: only on Showtime, folks. Only so on get Showtime. Your 30 day free right now on Showtime.com. Uh, pick time, Luke. That 90 seconds going to be fun as shit. Johnson, yes. he'll, he'll taste a bit of it, but he's going to be smart enough. Luke, let's not forget, like, Johnson fought good against Moldowski. He pushed the pace, he never quit. He's got. Sneaky good gas tank in this turnaround in his career. He's much more aggressive and can jab heavy. He's bigger, longer than uh, Fedor, bro. You you get this into the second round, we're getting a Tim Johnson TKO. Fedor's going to get you know hammer punched on the ground, and we're going to do a mercy stoppage. Luke, I, I think I've seen the future, and that's that's what it tells me.
1: I can see a situation where Timothy Johnson gets cracked with a big punch early. And it hurt, and he stumbles a little bit, N- by no means done, but you know, damn good shot that got in. Let's see what happens. And then the ref just calls it. <laughs> and the ref just steps in and is like, fuck it, you're done. And Timothy Johnson's like, what the fuck? I didn't do it. We-, we-, we stop in this fight for like, not, a, not blood, didn't go down, nothing. I can see that happening. If that doesn't happen, I don't see how Timothy Johnson loses. So I'll put All it.
0: Right. Uh, Luke, there are a couple quick uh, undercard storylines here. Vitali Minikoff, the former Bellator heavyweight champion, who, of course, was stripped famously due to inactivity. Well, he's been inactive again. He's been off for two years, 36 years old. But he's got just one loss, Luke. He's got that pretty sexy record of 22-1 overall. The only loss, a decision loss to Czech Congo in 2019 under the Bellator banner. The last time we saw him, he knocked out Timothy Johnson in 2019. So... You know, this guy's still got something here, Luke. Under the radar, coming in against veteran number 8-ranked heavyweight Said Soma, who is a plus-250 underdog, minus-320 for Minikov in his home country. You looking for him to uh, remind people of what that name used to mean, Luke?
1: Yeah, Minikov's a beast. I don't know if he still is a beast, but he has been for a long time. Um, I think he was the previous or heavyweight champion in an era long ago. He beat a different version, but he beat up Volkov, I thought, I could be wrong, some of my memory is fading at this point, but I do believe that is correct. In any case, Said Soma though, not a chump dude, he's actually pretty good. He doesn't have nearly the amount of experience that a guy like Minnikov does, so that is a little bit different, um, but I expect Minakov to do Minnikov things here. He can win via takedown, he can win on the outside striking, he's got big power, he's a good fighter, he's a very good fighter.
0: Yeah, Luke, you, you echoed what I would mentioned earlier, that uh, Minikov did hold the Bellator heavyweight title, won it in 2013 when he knocked out Alexander Volkov, uh, defended again, against Czech Congo in 2014, but then didn't fight in Bellator for a couple years because he went to Russia. They stripped him for inactivity. The fight, the title was vacant for a while. Uh, most recently, not wins that'll change your life outside of the Johnson KO. He did stop a very, very, very washed Bigfoot Silva for some little Fedor revenge, right there, probably, probably, right? All all Russian guys, they 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 want to do that for Fedor, probably. Um, Luke, I'm looking forward to that one. Also, Usman Nurmagomedov, 13 and 0, the cousin of Habib, the lightweight. Uh, what is he? 2 and 0 so far in the Bellator banner. Uh, Luke, he's going to be taking on what looks to be a or at least betting odds-wise, a nice showcase fight here against heavy underdog Patrick Pytilla, plus 1,300. Um, Usman, he seems, so far, seems to be the goods, Luke.
1: Uh, he's very good. He's super good at lightweight. I think he's eventually going to be the Bellator lightweight champion. I mean that. I know he doesn't. He's, I think it's between, what, Aquili uh, and uh, and Patrici coming up here. Uh, but he's going to, from whoever wins that, he's going to take it from them, and I think he's going to take it from them pretty easily. This dude he's fighting is a borderline 500 fighter. It would be a miracle if he win. It won. I mean, by the way, miracles do happen in MMA. The MMA is wild and chaotic, but Usman Nurmagomedov is the genuine article, and he should defeat this guy easily.
0: All right. All right. Looking forward by the to way, the way,
1: M- By the way, also on this card, uh, a throwback name. Do you remember Karel Sedilnikov from years ago, from the Red no. Devil fight team and all that shit? I don't uh, remember him. This is a guy they used to call Baby Fedor, like the next oh. Fedor, and he was from Russia. yeah. And then he just okay. kind of,
0: he turned out to not name. be very good. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it, Luke. Okay? He's let's, on the car, let's, too. Let's there check that shit out. All right, Luke, uh, we mentioned off the top of the show, and of course, I was, uh, yesterday was Thursday, I was in Los Angeles on the rooftop of the Staples Center For a colorful press conference formally announcing the Sunday night, December 5th, Showtime pay-per-view and the return of the one, as he's starting to call himself these days. But you know him as Gervonta Tank Davis, 25-0, 24 KOs, titles in three-way classes. Some unfortunate headlines along with that outside the ring. But, Luke, this is a very unique pay-per-view he's got himself into against unbeaten, big-time slugger, big-time disruptor, agitator, clown? I mean, you can go in a lot of ways after what we saw uh, on his social media in recent weeks, but specifically at Wednesday's press conference. Um, the only thing I really want to do here is just relive it, Luke, for anyone that didn't see it. Um, do we think Romero can beat Davis? I don't know, Luke, but this is... Before we even throw to this video, would you admit this is one of those weird... that things that like makes perfect sense in a weird way business-wise? It's like, it's like you ever tried peanut butter on a hot dog? It's like, Uh, No, but what if I told you that that peanut butter on a hot dog tastes really freaking good Luke this there's some like I can't turn away I need to see what happens in this fight admit it. There's like a unique sort of just like they're selling crazy They're selling us some crazy and I kind of like it.
1: I mean this It's almost like in some ways like kind of the opposite of like Paul versus Woodley What I mean by that is we were like, okay, Paul versus Woodley, they're going to sell the shit out of this up front, but I don't know how good the fight is going to be. It ended up being, you know, okay, but not great. You know, kind of ho-hum. This is the opposite. I actually don't know if they're going to sell the shit out of this, but I do think on fight night, as as long as that fight lasts, which, by the way, A, won't be very long, and B, I can't say exactly how long it would be, though. It's going to be an absolute unequivocal bananas because dude Roly romero takes the kind of risks you're not supposed to which sometimes we mean in a complimentary way <laughs> this time i mean he's doing it because i think he's a bit of a donk you know which i say he's, he can he can punch his ass off too that's the other part right he, he's got he's got really good power himself but he's dude he's a weirdo he's if he was your neighbor. You know, he's a weirdo, uh... dude.
0: Like, it's like this isn't even the the cliche. Is he crazy or is he crazy like a fox? Yeah, dude. He's a. Di- I was talking to Leonard Ellerbe yesterday, the CEO of Mayweather Promotions. We were both agreed. He's just a different kind of crazy that we haven't seen. The comparison sometimes is Ricardo Mayorga. The you know we loved him at welter. He was he was the u- friggin' unified. <laughs> but he was calculating. Welterweight champion before he became just a full time circus, but. This is the kind of trash talk you would get from him only in Spanish, and it would be ridiculous. I don't know if, like, what the hell fuels Roly's confidence, Luke? It's like his trainer, by the way, whose name is Bullet Cromwell, which is incredible. <laughs> he was like, yeah, we don't train for that boxing shit. I mix together karate, street fighting, and power punching. That's what he actually said. And he goes, we don't train to win. We train to murder. But, Luke, it wasn't in, like, a let me launch this, like, soundbite so that... like It was, like, literally, like, no, that's that's what the hell we're doing here. So, Luke, before we throw to this probably glorious video of highlights, could you try to explain to me, like, really, Roly Romero's mental makeup? Like, what kind of crazy is this guy?
1: He's, like, a mix of, um... Jesus. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Uh... I think I think the fact that we called him like you know he's got this sort of he's got the I I don't, I don't know I don't know how to describe it he's got like the swag of a sixteen year old who doesn't know the world is about to come crashing down on him but he's got like trash talk like the people who like have you ever played have you ever done like Call of Duty and had some rando like eleven year old talk shit to you
0: it's a little like, it's a little like that. Like look, I'm totally it, gonna fuck your mom, man. Luke, if if cash me outside, how about a uh, if that if that woman was a fighter, she'd be rolling Romero, right? Yeah, only if
1: she got hit in the face with a frying pan first. Like you gotta loo- you gotta loosen everything up in there a little bit before. Like he's do he's the, the synapses.
0: With that said, though.
1: he he dude, He's going to get real hurt. He's going to get can't really, punch. really he's hurt.
0: He's 14-0 with 12 KOs. <laughs> it, it, he's going to make this fun regardless. And, Luke, I don't care what we say about the clown stuff from yesterday showing up in 80-degree weather where it was hot in L.A. on a roof with that coat. But, dude, he kind of won yesterday. I don't think he got in Javante's head like he thinks he did. he did not. He, no. He no, I watched that shit.
1: First of, all, first of all, let's say this out loud. You did a great job hosting that, number one. Number two, no, he did not. He gets up there and says, bro, I'm going to knock you the fuck out like seven (laughs) times, each one not original. And Tank gets up there. He's like, my man's got a fur coat on. It's 80 fucking degrees out here. What are you doing? Right, dude. That's Roley Romero. He shows up to a press conference in 80 degree weather with giant fur clothing on. He's, he's, dude, I'm telling you, Tank is going to do evil, (laughs) evil things to him
0: real quick uh roly came up to the to the dais and i was like hey roly man great to finally meet you in person he's like i know you do i know you and i'm like no nah, no nah, nah, not really but like you know uh, you know great to meet you big fan and he's like thank you i'm a big fan of me too <laughs> but like it wasn't in like i'm trying to make you laugh or trying to crack a joke it was sort of like Like, he just realized in that moment, like, yeah, you're fucking right. You're a fan of me. Like, of course, you know,
1: he's got a he's uh, tell me if this is true or not. And there's many reasons why this is not true. He's the closest thing to like Tony Ferguson in boxing. Right. Something like that, where the trash talk is almost stream of consciousness. His is much less charming than Tony's. Tony's ends up being charming in a way. Because Tony's, I think, really trying to entertain. Rolly is just trying to say shit for, uh, you know, maximum effect. So if you add like it's a little Tony Ferguson, it's a little troll culture, by the way, big time on that. And then you just mix in, you know, uh, what you might say after you've been concussed or something. Mix that all together, and that's what Romero.
0: And feed that monster a gas station hot dog, and that's that's our no no no. And then feed
1: him, then feed him like. Remember how Rampage Jackson went crazy driving his own monster truck because he was too high on energy drinks? Rolly is like three energy drinks from that. He's close. By the way, Rampage.
0: Rampage had a story with Ariel in in Ariel's MMA Hour comeback that kind of disputes a lot of the facts of that story. That I'm wondering why. Either I'm wondering where Rampage doesn't tell the truth more often, or or what, Luke? Mm. Tough to tell. Crazy I didn't hear. What,
1: what, what was the basic gist of what he said? I didn't hear.
0: That that's one of his best friends he thought was going to commit suicide, so he had to get to that friend no matter what, and so he acted crazy, just not caring about police intervention because he's so loyal, and he had to get to that friend, and he would have done it again, and it was just misinterpreted by the media.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt all these years later, though. All right, Luke, Um, we did put a poll on our YouTube chat, and uh, 54% of our listeners right now our live listeners, our P1s, our people, our motherfuckers right there. Uh, they believe that Tank Davis won the jousting on the microphone yesterday. Luke, uh, they hired... I don't know who hired them, but they hired a, a lot of security guards for yesterday. Maybe be, maybe the Canelo plant touch-up got people ready, or maybe just this natural bl- bad blood. But there were moments where I'm standing between those guys. I'm like, it's going to be on about any second right now. I'm going to be Dave Schaller between John Jones and, and uh, Daniel Cormier in about two seconds. But uh, let's go to the videotape of uh, my favorite moment from yesterday. But, I mean, you guys are going to see the Samurai. I'm going to knock this, this dwarf the fuck out. That's how it is. You hear that? I'm gonna knock you the fuck out. Flat Flat Flatline. You know how it is. You damn fucking scared? What the fuck am I scared of? You literally, man. You a stupid fucking dwarf, man. I'm telling you, man. I can't even mess with your fucking head. I can't even mess with your fucking head. It's so fucking big like this fucking big your fucking little t-rex arms man my dick's longer than your fucking arms yeah i'm gonna knock this chump the fuck out like that
1: bro tell me that's not an 11 year old kid taunting you on call of duty
0: Uh, oh my god luke i don't care i've said it before can you turn off
1: the extra feed once more feedback please
0: if you can remove you. that echo. Thank you. Um, from here on out, Luke, it may get gross. It may go in some crazy directions beyond a pinata. I'm Team Rolly. Now, I, I, I'm not picking him to win the fight, but, <laughs> Luke, uh, we need this. We need this type of uh, – I mean, I went back to the podium after you said that. I was just like, yeah, thank you, thank you. I mean, like, what else do you say? This is some – this is good shit, Luke. This is yes, good th- shit.
1: Thank you, Roly, for the description of your penis and yeah. your – Threats of physical violence. Anyway. I know,
0: man. Uh, He—he's my favorite uh, character in boxing right now. Thank you, Rolly. We'll see this fight Sunday night, December fifth. Um, hey, he's got a puncher's chance, Luke. He's got a punch. He
1: does, Listen, you can take. Rolly is a character. He's going to do his best to promote this fight, and you can't deny this. The guy can hammer. He punches very, very, very hard, even for boxing standards. He can he can really thump. But here's the problem. So can tank. And I'd actually say tank is the harder puncher of the two and the far dude tank is going to fuck him up. It's going to be okay. He, you, he, he I called mean, down the thunder. I mean, be prepared. If, if you, that if,
0: happens. And I think, you know, betting wise, it's, that's going to be the most likely scenario. Like everyone, all promoters, Floyd Mayweather, everyone's like, Spice not going the distance. We know that. But if Roley ends up getting to that point, he will have willingly thrown himself into that point. I mean, I think that's the fuel of what you're saying. Like, he's going for it, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Like, so this is going to be uh, some explosive shit. Uh, it's my kind of fight. Thank you very much. Let's keep it moving. We got real boxing as well, Luke, on Saturday night. Uh, the folks at the uh, at the ESPN top Rank side. Look, giving us a fight between the two best 130-pound boxers in the world with an interesting storyline coming in. Maybe the lack of... Trash talk is, I don't know, is keeping it from the headlines, but we got a good-ass fight when Semper Fi never Die. The fighting Marine, Jamel Herring, defends his 130-pound title against one of the rising potential future stars in the sport. Former featherweight champion now looking for a title in his second weight class, Shakur Stevenson. Uh, Luke Stevenson, a monster betting favorite. Let's just get that out in front. Minus 700 against the plus 500 Herring. We, I can get into that in a minute. But I think we all expect this fight to potentially be closer than that in theory, at least, you know, when they start off. But the interesting story is that, you know, they kind of hang in the same circle, meaning that uh, Stevenson is, you know, the mentor mentee relationship with Terrence Bud Crawford is in that camp all the time. You see them clowning around all the time, you know, laughing it up, which is great because you never see Bud Crawford laugh ever. So that's like the only time. And Bud's trained by BOMAC, Brian McIntyre, who is the trainer of Jamel Herring. So they've had to put this friendship aside because they knew this business was coming. But you can't write off Jamel Herring. Just when we thought after that DQ win over, uh, what was it, Jonathan Gonzalez a couple of years back, we thought maybe he milked the the headbutts, he came out and knocked out and retired Carl Frampton. So Luke, it's an interesting bit of business we got on Saturday.
1: I like this fight. This is maybe the fight outside of the main event for UFC. I'm most looking forward to all of this weekend. Shakur Stevenson is a guy you put me on to a while ago. I've not seen him take on an impressive opponent until this point. Again, I'm not saying he hasn't, but from the point in which you introduced me to him, um, this has been the first time I've been like, okay, here we go. This is what I've been waiting for here. Now, I still think Stevenson is the guy who is the better of the two. I think he's slicker. I think he's, frankly, a little bit smarter He's sort of the young up-and-comer against, not, I will not say the fading guy in Herring, but you know the sort of older dog who has more or less all the tricks he's going to have. The thing for me is, for Herring to really beat Stevenson, he needs a little bit extra, I think, more than what he has. I think he's going to try and make this a chess match, a real tactical duel. But I think if it comes down to that, a guy like Stevenson is going to get the better of the two. I would actually prefer this. Uh, I love the fight. And I think it's winnable for Semper Five. But what I mean to say is he's going to play into a style where he's good, but not quite as good as Stevenson. Whereas what I think would be a more interesting style matchup, you see, I wonder if you agree, is something like a Sean Porter ish type of fight. A guy who can really bully Stevenson and really physically make him work and dig to the body and have it, you know, finding a way to get him off of you. I think a guy like. Uh, Herring is almost going to be willing to accommodate certain kinds of fighting because he does well there, but Stevenson's better there. So I'm curious to see what Herring does, if he can, to make up that difference. But it's a great test for Stevenson. It's a wonderful fight for the weekend. I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, it's like I I said what I said about the betting odds coming in because – We see it closer on paper, storylines, ability-wise, but then at the same time, you understand why those betting odds are there because Shakur Stevenson is a sublime talent. The hand speed and foot speed, and IQ, even if he doesn't have the same experience as the Wiley veteran, the 35-year-old Herring. um, I mean, look, there—it's just jumping through the screen. The only drawbacks on Shakur, outside of some outside the ring issues, has been that you know. We're not sure, does he have legitimate big-time punching power that can carry him up through the weight classes? And he's had a couple once-in-a-while boring ones. His last fight against Jonathan, uh, what was it, Tila, Luke, that absolute slugger. There's a lot of people that thought once Shakur in in April, I think when they fought, once he tasted that power early, even though he scored a knockdown, that, you know, he kind of wanted to go into that shell Box from the outside mode. It killed the entertainment value of that fight, and it killed the idea that that was going to be a big, you know, jumping-off point in a new weight class for Shakur. But Luke, the thing is, kind of like Terence Crawford, right? The default, if he has to go to that, he—I don't know if anyone could beat him in a pure boxing match, which is what you're saying. If Herring tries to stand in there, even as a clever counterpuncher, you can't play chess with this guy. You're going to lose, and you're going to lose badly. And that's why the odds are the way they are. But to your you know, options of should he fight like a Sean Porter, I don't think he has that same motor or even physical size in a lot of ways. I think what makes Jamel Herring good is is we forget that he's got the, that great amateur background. He fought in the Olympics, you know, around two tours of duty in Iraq. And although we've seen okay performances. We have seen him dial it up to another level. He's going to have to go to the body. He's going to have to find some way to slow this down. I'd like to see some veteran tricks to your point. I'd like to see a little, you know, blurring of the rules. I'd like to see holding, fighting on the inside, a lot of that stuff, but I don't know if he has that same motor to try to pour it on him like a Sean Porter would. Um, Maybe that's why they're this wide in the end, but Stevenson has yet to give us that, that like one performance where we're like, okay, I see the young Floyd now. It's like, I see it. I feel it yeah. a little. I do think he's a future pound for pound number one, but he hasn't done that yet against a big name where it's just overwhelming. Where, you know, Mayweather against Diego Corrales is an example where you're just like, oh, holy shit, this guy's at a completely another level. The odds tell you that he can be that guy that he probably, you know, is that guy. He just hasn't had it activated yet, Luke. Maybe it'll take Herring having some kind of success that we don't see to activate that.
1: Maybe, maybe. I I still think that this is going to be a question of... Um, it's going to end up being more of Stevenson's fight because I think Herring thinks he can accommodate that and win. I think Herring is going to have to do something here that I don't think I've ever seen him do, maybe like a little bit. Um, But at the same time, if Stevenson is at all unprepared or sleeping on him or takes rounds off at times, whatever, um, it could get a little bit interesting. In other words, this is to me Stevenson's fight to lose, and it's a style that should be accommodating to him, but it is also difficult enough of a challenge that overcoming it Kind of tells you what his level might be, but I want to see what the weaknesses are that show up through the course of this. This is not the, again, I don't mean Sean Porter specifically, I mean someone who could fight like that. You really sure. mess him up, get in his face, rough him up, you know, uh, that kind of thing. It just Herring's not that guy, he's going to try and out-slick him, but of the slickness factor, Stevenson is the better.
0: Have you ever talked to Jamel Herring about marine life, Luke?
1: I have, yeah. We've we, have, we have, we've had a couple of conversations about them. Oh, yeah.
0: I find he, I, I ended up calling uh, a couple of f- fights with him at West Point, New York for uh, the NBC Sports Ring City USA card. He was like the guest analyst. Luke, he's smart as all hell. He's actually a very good broadcaster. I think he's going to have a career. When his boxing career is done, he's very articulate in putting, in putting the, the fine arts together, like yourself.
1: Yeah, he actually did, uh, him and his coach, I don't know if you know this, shouts to BJJ Fanatics. I talk about them all the time. Um, he and his coach, it might be BOMAC, I don't, I don't know who it was. Is BOMAC like super fat? Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So he and BOMAC actually have a whole series on BJJ Fanatics on the jab. And then watching Herring go through and talk about all the different phases and ranges and purposes and blah, blah, blah. It's actually a, the most comprehensive thing I've ever seen on the jab. And he and his coach go right through it like it was nothing. Like He's obviously, dude, listen, Stevenson's a special talent, right? We should, we should say that. But Herring is an accomplished, gifted, um, hardworking, and I think well-studied boxer. To beat a guy like that, you're going to have to be special. We think Stevenson is. We'll see you tomorrow night.
0: Luke loved your little uh, Silence of the lamb shot out there when you're basically like, oh, what is she, uh, some big fat person? <laughs> yes, yeah, she's, she's okay. a big girl. Yeah, she's but a big dude, girl. But the dude, I like, mean, he was
1: holding mitts. Like, there was one point where he was holding mitts and he had this big-ass... You know, he, I'm sure he's a great trainer. I'm not trying to clown him, especially me. I got no room to talk, but I'm just saying. He, he, had, he had his giant, big-ass belly, and there was one time where he was holding his focus mitts on top of them like this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but what about personality? I'm a big fan of that guy. He's solid. So, uh, yeah. So, sorry, Luke, but, what but do I see? his his
1: his fight IQ through the roof.
0: So, yeah. What do I see in the end? That speed difference. And Jamel, you know, Herring's not slow, but this this Shakur Stevenson's like a flash. If that becomes a problem early, and, and Stevenson's able to hit, uh, you know, Herring and stay away from getting boxed in, this has uh, Stevenson by wide decision written all over it. It's what it is, Luke. All right. That, that's what it takes. Okay, you want to make a bet on this? You got to go. You got to go, Stevenson by decision.
1: I agree. I think that's the right call. I will put my money on him. By the way, our apparently our viewers on YouTube, sixty-seven percent to Stephen uh, Shakur Stevenson. So, should be fun.
0: Yes, thank you, thank you to our interactive P ones. They're taking. Luke, are they are they watching us live because our show's so great, or because they ain't got you know terms of endearment, nothing else to do, Luke?
1: Uh, like mayonnaise. I got nowhere else to go. Yeah. That guy? Yeah. That's, it's, they're a because little if bit Because
0: If that's the case, I still welcome them in, Luke. I love these people.
1: Listen, we'll take in, feed us your, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. We'll give them that MK.
0: We'll you know. we'll be their huckleberry. Yes. All right, Luke, okay. quick hitters to close. Uh, it's not on this paper and I probably failed not sending in the uh, weigh-in shot to our uh, producers. But, Luke, how freaking psyched are you for this Mariusz Pujanowski MMA return against that massive guy? Do you know the guy's name and what the, what the back story is here, Luke? Because this looks like sloppy, great stuff written all over it.
1: I'm trying to find the guys. Yes, I have here. It's uh, Pujanowski, who they call Pujan. By the way, I think five-time World's Strongest Man. I think that's right. At least
0: four yeah, at a bare minimum. he's strong as shit, Luke. There's no question yes, about he's it. He's
1: strong yet. as what they, they... The kids call it strong as a motherfucker, I believe is the word. Uh, he's taken on Bombardier, Bombardier, uh, which is similar to the drink I have, which is the Boulevardier. But in any who is, case... Uh, who
0: is fucking huge, Luke? <laughs> Just a yes. large mammal, just one of the largest people of all time. Yes.
1: Yeah. So basically, their combined weight for the weigh-in is almost 600 pounds. So that's gonna be fun.
0: That's dude. That's KSW
1: yeah. is the KSW is the closest thing to Pride that we have in the modern era by far.
0: That's that's true. Pride never never die. Yeah. Um, were you a big Moro guy in your Pride watching days?
1: Sure. Of course he did, and he didn't just do Pride. He did Pride Bushido, which was like their sort of up and coming um, uh, system as well. And he, you know, dude, Moro had the call, and when Randleman knocked out Krokop, which was, you know, inconceivable at the time, Kevin Randleman has just knocked out Miracle Krokop. I mean, that whole thing. By the way, your weights: Bujanowski two sixty, Bombardier three twenty seven.
0: Oh hell so, yeah!
1: Yes, wow.
0: Yes. Oh, by the way, Luke, there was some, like, one championship kickboxing fight that didn't make our Have You Seen This Shit on Monday, and people were like, yo, I am might unsubscribe it. from this shit. You know what I'm saying?
1: I know. They're wanna... not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're just lying. But do you want to defend
0: us? Luke, I, I didn't know about nah, this. Nah, we, we,
1: we, we actually fucked that up. We actually fucked that up. We should have had that. So that was Giorgio Petrosian who lost, um, who is maybe one of the best kickboxers of our era. Uh, certainly enormously accomplished and he's been beaten before uh, i think he's even been stopped with strikes before but that was not only a spectacular ko but i think widely unexpected uh we probably should have had it somewhere on the show we fucked that one up
0: okay okay luke this is this not a, a risen moment all over again but by the way i actually was excited for that that risen card it just you know our our jokes between each other got out of control that time did i say that right we, Risen?
1: i don't even know how you pronounce it uh, but I will say this. Sometimes we make errors. We got to acknowledge them. That was one of them. We probably should have included that.
0: Yeah, uh, we had a narrative. It was the wrong narrative. All right. All right, Luke. Uh, the our, the Italian artist, no, not um, not Christos Christoforos, a.k.a. Web Scream, uh, dad of the year contender, by the way. Francisco Facinetti has, has officially filed assault charges on Connor McGregor. Luke, your thoughts?
1: Dude, our boy uh, Web Scream hit us up and was like, I don't know, did he write you about this? He wrote me. He was saying that, like, in Italy, this is front page major, major, major news. I mean, I guess...
0: Who is this Facinetti character? Is he, like, the Jake Paul of uh, Italy, or is he, like, legit? Is this, like... uh... I
1: I don't know exactly what... All all I can say is my understanding is he is very, very famous, all right, in Italy. And uh, dude, if he files charges, like, what is Connor supposed to do? Is he, can he never go back to Italy? Because like, if you leave the country and then you fly back into the airport, they're gonna they're gonna lock you up. At least if uh, I, I guess I don't know the Italian justice system. I, I don't know what they're gonna do. But dude, I, it's maybe there's more lakes that we we kind of thought he just you know stole on a guy in a party and everyone just you know gets mad about it. Maybe he'll face some consequences. I don't
0: know. You know, I never considered. Uh, it's weird uh, when McGregor has infractions. Maybe because so many of these infractions have been more stupid than troubling, but we are at a sort of troubling number at the very least of them when you add them all together. I never considered, like, he would become a completely potential off-the-rails, like, Crazy Tyson era run to him. Like, I always thought, okay, these are aberrations. These are, you know, these are like, yeah, is is he a dirt hole underneath it all? Probably, but uh, these are whatever, you know, he'll recapture his stardom. Now I'm like, I don't know, Luke. This this might be the direction he's headed, full time.
1: So, do you think if he fights Diaz a third time, he bites his ear?
0: Yeah, under under Golden Boy MMA banner, yes, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, I don't do he's he's lost right now, so we'll see.
0: He does have a, a, a key to the city of Miami, at least, Luke.
1: Do you think that key works on any door?
0: <laughs> it's a kid it's uh, no 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 look it's probably a- like is there
1: any is there some like illuminati door that you get to open with that thing and then you get to go to parties with masks on and then bang- oh hell yeah
0: i was gonna say that there's a vault of cocaine somewhere that that key unlocks that's about yeah. it yeah
1: yeah right? which in which case i'm quite jealous of that key, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm uh, Luke,
0: key speaking of connor i look i sent this to you i popped for it you were like get this shit away from me did you see that meme tony ferguson put out That essentially like, let's do Connor, let's fight It's not, look, this is What do you got?
1: Well, I have an update I have an update It's hard to cut you off But I do have an update I think you will like During the course of this show Nay, 10 minutes ago Nathan Diaz tweeted a picture of Tony Ferguson Holding the belt with no commentary Now, I gotta tell you connor has got his whole leg issue And who the fuck knows when he's even gonna be ready And maybe he goes to Italian prison I don't know A little bit off the radar But Nate's looking for a fight. It looks like the Luque one has fallen through for whatever reason. Tony, I don't know how long he's been out. I have to go and double-check. But if he's ready, I got to tell you, that is two guys over 35. I like those pairings a lot more. Um, What do you think?
0: Yeah, I love the shit out of this fight. This is perfect. It does fall in line with Nate's cryptic tweets about a December return in some form. Oh, my God. So what I was going to say is it's not that, like... It's not that this is the first time we considered Ferguson-Connor. In fact, after Connor's most recent loss, it was sort of like, well, that one makes the most sense. But maybe it's just with Connor's slide in the public eye the last few months with the recovery videos and just the bad PR and tweets and all that. I don't know. For some reason, I like this fight more. I feel like this is like the perfect scandalous old guy sneaky action fight without going too gross into any kinds of wrong directions. It's like this is where they're at, both of them. So let's just match him and God would that fight be bad shit crazy. But Luke, if D- Nate Diaz Tony Ferguson first is not only more realistic but happening, uh good lord, that's fun. That's yeah, really like freaking fun. That's like, fun in a way it, that, that Lawler Nick to me before, during, and after wasn't Luke, you know?
1: Yeah, and also remember, um there uh, maybe maybe a guy like Tony likes the Connor fight a little bit more because Connor's a somewhat bigger name. But also has some liabilities on the ground. This one, from a fan's perspective, I don't know if I would call it even on the ground, but certainly Nate Diaz not a slouch on on the mat, and certainly willing to exchange with you on the feet. I mean, that's just got all action all over it in every way, and pretty competitive, I think. Right? That's not. Don't you think that's a competitive fight? Oh yeah.
0: This almost like I know you're gonna just scoff at this, but this almost makes me wish like the BMF could still be a recurring thing. I know Nate lost to. Jorge, so it doesn't make a ton of sense and I know you're just gonna be like, fuck the BMF, enough with this shit. I don't know, this if you just branded this shit like BMF and you had barbed wire in the in the graphic, Luke, I don't know. This just kinda like if you were ever gonna do something crazy in the UFC and put like a chair in the middle of the octagon for a special fight, just be like, These are two old savages. Go out there and invent ways to finish each other with this. We're gonna we're doing street fights now up in the octagon. This would be it, Luke.
1: Dude, you're the you're the people in charge of Squid Game who just leave the dinner knives at the table. You don't get that I don't, reference, I, but I, people I don't, who watch I don't get Squid that. Game do. I don't
0: really get that reference, Luke. I don't. You know, Stop I don't, Asian hate, BC. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. well enough. Enough. I'm not going there anymore. All right, Luke. Uh, we also have Jan Blahovitch who will be um, in the main event of UFC 267. That coming up free Abu Dhabi afternoon pay per view. Um, against Glover Teixeira. Luke Blahovich has said, I don't have a, where he said it here, maybe he told that Frenchman Shock Majori. I don't know, Luke. says... Uh, yes, the says, Frenchman
1: from Tehran.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Um... By the way, look, he's, that guy's good on camera. That guy's not bad. Guy's
1: hes bad. Uh, I've been waiting for someone to come along doing what he's doing. He's hes doing what we call paying his dues, but he's got bigger things in his future for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You th- I don't think he, though. I don't think he I don't think he fucks, though. <laughs> the guy, look at me, you know, come on, it's not happening, all right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's living in the no fucking section,
0: but he's probably not, you know, a Dan in either. He's no Mike Bone on an airplane, all right? Uh, Luke Blachowicz t- said uh, Israel Adesanya needs to, quote, beat maybe two, three guys in 205, the lightweight, uh, light heavyweight division, and then maybe then they give him a chance for the title, but not immediately. Luke, as much as that's Jan saying that, it's not his call, bro. It's it's You know, if Dana White wanted to run that shit back, they would run it back.
1: Yeah, I think he may have s- say this on Instagram I'm not I'm not quite sure where this was said either but uh I'm basically with you that you know he's he I I don't even I'm not even thinking about Blachowicz and Adesanya I'm not even let's put that off to the side
0: okay what if I made you for one second and said do you think Adesanya does better than the first fight
1: I would say for sure true for sure true
0: okay for sure, true. do you have a ckb luke (laughs) a what a a city kick kicking boner (laughs) look
1: do i have a city kicking boner who do
0: these jokes work? do your kids laugh at your jokes no they they're not they're not into like the whole like mma gym phallical reference type crossover jokes that's not really like their their cup of tea i
1: see what is their wheelhouse dad shutting the fuck up
0: yeah 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 that's 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 probably about right luke okay luckily i have you and to just throw all my all my cutting room floor shit at you know look i'm trying to get a good five minutes together so one day you can be surprised luke and uh and uh yeah i think you'd
1: be surprised
0: yeah yeah probably (laughs) look i told you that story I, i won't retell it but that 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 five full minute joke that I bombed at the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame. Oh, in you did tell me that, yes. That I opened it with. It was like it just built and built and, I mean, it was it was cr- fucking crickets, Luke. All right. I mean, like there were people like, like, yo, where, anyone know where the where the restroom is? Like it was like you know it was go time, Luke. But um, it kept that ship alive. All right, Luke. Um, you know I I did want to um bring up your your uh your sensitive areas, Luke. I mean, in fact, when speaking of your genitals, Luke, have you freaking smelled Manscapes refined body wash? I would go out on a limb, Luke, and say that the ladies in your life, both wives and mother-in-laws, would, would probably love their signature scent.
1: Well, you and your disgusting testicles will be oh so fresh and clean when you start your off your self-care routine with the Ultimate Body Wash BC. You can keep the grooming game going, with a Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0, which BC uses to shave his disgusting face, Weed Whacker Ear and Hair Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, didn't know that was a thing until I used it, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies, Brian Campbell.
0: Yeah, look, our friends at Manscaped, they want to give you 20% off the product and some frickin' free shipping. And all you have to do is 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 type in to your Google machine there the uh, our special promo promo code sorry, Uh, that's combat with a K, and folks um look, is it fun? Manic you know man, man manscape I mean is it fun keeping your, you know your 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 shit up to up to up to code, up to OSHA sanctions. No, but at least you don't have to get injured doing it anymore, and that's what that's what the folks at Manscaped do. They make you smell nice as well. They got a nice little satchel, page, Luke. My, it's, it's like my travel bag. It's part of the package there. Um, they got a lot of good shit. I mean, you know, we're talking about a weed whacker, Luke. that uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. That will have you looking like, looking like you know. Like, you're ready for the uh, the Vivid catalog, if you know what I mean.
1: And uh, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant f- for leaving the house and the Crop Reviver ball toner for a mid-game ball check. Trust me when I say this, B.C., your balls will thank you. B.C., would you want to do a smell test? Could I put ball deodorant <laughs> on my balls and then have you tell me <laughs> how great they smell?
0: <laughs> have you ever had a mid-show uh, ball check, Luke? Is that, is that where you're going with this? Um yeah, uh, can we get out of this soon? The best way to get out of this is for you to uh, take care of your genitals by going to manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping. The code is combat with a K. Just do it because look guys, pretty soon you're going to be out of the game. And you're going to be like Luke and I, and you should be growing a really long beard and you know, your liver will change colors and it's just like, you know, I had a prime. There was a time. There was a window there. If you're still in that window, you shave that shit. I mean, seriously, they don't the chicks. Don't want to see that, man. You know, like, you know, chicks don't want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, Bro,
1: no, no one wants your guitarist, metal band, Billy goat ball hair in their face yeah, or anywhere else. Yeah, that's so, a great point. Trim that shit.
0: If your balls look like Scott Ian's chin, you need to get yourself some manscaped. Okay? You
1: probably also have anthrax. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, Luke, uh, we got a great segment every week where where <laughs> all those times we speak into a microphone incorrectly or or in uh, or, uh, many other wrongs. Uh, people can send into to morningcombat at gmail.com. Send your Wednesday fan submissions, but on Fridays, send your... Dead wrong. Dead wrong. All right, Luke, this is where we go to trial and stand up for our sins Uh, Nathan says, I was hoping somebody else in Montana would have dead wronged you on today's show about the BKFC event that took place. Brian on October 13th said it was BKFC Oklahoma, when in reality it was BKFC Montana. I know because I attended the event here in Billings. I was so excited to hear BC and LT talk about the event and bring some exposure to our state for these events. But alas, it ended up as just another have you seen this shit segment. Keep that shit up. I love the show. I work as a janitor at a school and I listen to you nearly every day. Wow, sideburns, you know. Did Miss Lippy like uh like okay, um makes ignoring the kids a lot easier. Thank you for that. Luke, um should this man be trusted, Nathan, around children?
1: Probably not. But that probably goes for most of our listeners, you know.
0: Okay. All right, that's fine. Uh that you're right, Nathan. I was wrong. It is I, I did zero research for that. BKFC Billings. Shout out, okay? Hope Melvin Gillard is okay. Thank you. Uh, Luke David is here. I don't know if it's... uh... Oh, it is that guy. Wow. Hi, guys. A particularly pedantic dead wrong from your old friend, French Bill Cosby, here. (laughs) In Friday's episode... Dude, yeah, I
1: gotta tell you, he's leaning into this shit in the most hilarious, but also slightly (laughs) off-putting of ways. He's like, I'm the motherfucking French Bill Cosby! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: and he's like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Luke, yeah. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. ho, hip-hop, Dude, mar- yeah, he's got the whole listen, crowd. Listen,
1: every time he writes us, he needs to call himself the French version of something new. So, like, next time he writes us, he better call himself the French Rolly Romero.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, in Friday's episode, Luke talked about Maria Henderson having her second pro fight when all the media outlets... Seem to be calling it her second amateur fight, as she has yet to turn pro. Wow, I called it her first amateur fight. Little did I know, Luke. I don't know if I feel any better about my useless existence for pointing that out, but I haven't been on dead wrong for a while and am 0 for 22 on DMs for donks. So why not? I I get back to laying pipe in the north of France. <laughs> Cheers, David A. Oh my God, Luke. This what, guy are been doing, what are you doing? What are you
1: doing, France, Dave? I am a <laughs> plumber.
0: Oh boy. Yeah, I could just see that guy but you know putting jelly on a crepe as he yeah, he should and yeah, you know, all right. Uh Luke, this is uh Hen Henry coming in. Henri. Henri coming in. Henri. Hi Luke. Um Luke has repeatedly talked about how Phil Davis and Vadim Nemkov have fought 10 rounds against each other. He did it again on Friday's MK oh, episode so 216 18. at the 17:45 mark. The fact this their first fight was only 3 rounds. So they have only fought eight rounds against each other. I let it slide at first, but since this is a repeated offense, I had to point that out. That's uh, Henri sending you to hell. I have
1: a dead wrong for myself if no one else gets it to me, so save me a little bit of time. We'll see how this goes. But, yes, I got that one wrong, I hope
0: it involves Marine guns, because those people were, like, real unhappy about you.
1: Yeah, Yeah. dude, I fucked that one up so bad, so they deserve to kill me for it. Turn back
0: in your man badge after that. Uh, Zachary says, at 139.03 of episode 268, In discussing the resume review, which will be done on Canelo, BC erroneously claims that Canelo is a favorite at plus 700. However, we all know that the plus-minus symbol implies that you are the favorite, while the plus you are the underdog. No way DraftKings sponsors a donk who doesn't know the difference between a favorite and an underdog in sports. Betting. I feel like that's
1: a little that's a little unfair. <laughs> I mean, not unfair, but like <laughs> well, uh... it gets worse.
0: It gets worse. Look, please keep BC away from any financial decisions in his house. Love the show, MK, all day, every day. They don't make. They don't allow me to make many financial decisions in this house as it is luke so
1: yeah uh. tell me about it i don't know all right i, I make ma- i make many financial decisions it's just that the same ones over and over i just yeah. open up my wallet until i get calluses on my fingers
0: <laughs> yeah i can see that yo yo um did pepe move yet
1: no he's not gonna move i think until first quarter 2022 not quite right.
0: yet we got to get him a segment from his new apartment luke where he just basically talks about what he's what he's slaying, right? You know no, what I mean? We're, not,
1: we're, not, we're not doing that. We're it's
0: not that. for everyone, Luke. It's not for I'll everyone, have him record <laughs> a
1: goodbye message maybe before he moves, okay. but all no, right. I'm not doing right.
0: that. Yeah, if he could slide a little game points our way, we can bundle that with Manscaped. That'd be great. Um, a lot of folks wrote in here. Um, yeah, this one,
1: is, in- this one, of all the botches I've had on this show, this is up there with one of the worst, if not yeah, the worst. So, I feel terrible
0: about even it. Even a guy named Luke. Otto wrote in, Luke. This guy, I can imagine him Auto, driving. Was like it Otto Yeah, I think it was. They say, gentlemen, at the uh, Wednesday show, fan submissions. We got a timestamp here too. While Luke was describing Bob's sweet ash Russian three-wheel tank, Luke said that the seven point six two millimeter was the NATO, NATO. NATO. NATO round. round? Yeah,
1: it's not. It's the 5.56, yeah.
0: Yeah, so whatever. Look, I'm not going to read all these nerd specs, but you got it wrong. But no, uh... it's bad.
1: So the 7.62 was the originally one designed for the M16A2, but it was the 5.56. 7.62 is like for an AK-47. You can do M4 carbine. It was on that one. It's just one of those things where like my brain just wasn't, it just didn't work. It just didn't. I had a false memory that I was certain about, which it wasn't. I will take that dead wrong. I was embarrassed. I was like, dude, I don't think that's right after the show. And then I went and looked it up, and I was like,
0: fuck.
1: I felt so embarrassed. So I'm sorry to everyone. Huh?
0: Isn't there a name for that? Isn't it like the Bear Stay Theory or something? Interdimensional time frames where you're convinced that something happened that didn't, that you lived it. It's like I, I don't no, think I've had I don't, sex with an alien, but you
1: know I don't remember. I don't know if it's that exactly. It's just sometimes you get in your mind, like with the Nemkov and uh, Davis. Like, oh, I'm sure they fought five rounds the first time. No, they didn't. It's something along yeah. those lines where, like, for some reason, I just had in my brain, oh, the seven sixty two, that's the fucking A two service rifle thing, and it just it, it's the five five six, which, is the, name, which is the actual wrote this. Data
0: I mean, they just have sentences filled with specs, so I'm not going to read all Dude, that. Gun nuts. Here's
1: time. the thing about gun nuts, and I love them to death. But gun nuts think that if you don't understand like the aeronautical nuances of the firing pin, uh, then you are a complete zero and have allowed to have no opinion on guns. In this particular case, my botch is so extraordinary, I will shut the fuck up. But I will also say that gun nuts, they uh, and I, God bless them, dude. Like, own a gun, it's okay. But the, they, the people who are like super, I'm like fucking into guns, bro. That's what I'm into. Like those people, they don't they don't have a they don't have a a great degree of a degree of mercy if you don't have a encyclopedic knowledge of the operations of a firearm. Uh,
0: the, this man wrote: P.S. I was home with my family here in Florida on January 6, but I was debating whether I should pack up the minivan and drive <laughs> north to fight for the union. Wow, wow, Luke, <laughs> those, those them are our people. All right, yes, yes. Uh, okay, we got do, one bro. more. What are you gonna do? Um, this is from Jay. No, John, J-O-N, John from Ohio sliding in. When discussing Fedor versus Johnson during Wednesday's show of this week at the 30-minute mark, Luke said, quote, Most fans around nowadays weren't around for the 2004 meeting between Fedor and Krokop. After hearing this, I resisted the 2005? urge to turn the MK subreddit into the next fighter and kid fan page and calmly checked Fedor's record. Those of us fans that are still around these days will always remember the epic Pride Final Conflict 2005 card that not only included Fedor Krokop, but Shogun Hua being crowd the middleweight Grand Prix champ. In True. all fairness, I could tell the producers were rushing you guys during that show. Oh, take that, Manich. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, fuck you, Manich. This is your fault.
0: So this L is on them for rushing greatness. Wow, thank you, John. Thank you very much. Yeah, Yeah, Luke's well.
1: Good card, though. Good card.
0: Yeah, yeah, good shit. Also, there.
1: there's there's like hardly any fans from that era still watching MMA. I just want to point that are out. Are you
0: sure? I mean, I I do agree that the the guys like when I worked at ESPN, the guys in the newsroom that were hard freaking core when we launched MMA Live in like 2008. Those guys are not watching MMA anymore. Like really, yes. like across the board. They They're don't watch not. anymore. What happened What happened to those guys particularly, Luke?
1: So there was a generation of fans post Ultimate Fighter um that got caught up in, at the time, a UFC boom, where UFC was, I mean, their, their story of success was being covered over and over and over again. And this is when they really began to tour and do a lot of stuff in a, in a very pronounced way. I mean, they were touring before, but in a very pronounced way in markets they hadn't been to before and whatnot. And there was a lot of people were having UFC viewing parties. It was a thing. All the people who used to come to my house for UFC viewing parties probably haven't watched MMA in 10 years. Well, here's my theory, BC. I wonder what you make of it. There, there is like a five year turnover cycle, and I don't know why it's that. I mean, I'm sure that's an an unfair way to describe the the math, but it just seems to me that there's about a five year chunk. Because here's what happens: people discover MMA, and then they just fall in love with it. They're like, "Oh my fucking god, this is like everything I've missed out of a sport." It's kind of like the crazy girlfriend who you just you know you had the most unbelievable bang sessions with yeah but eventually they get tired of it because they have a hard time following it because there is so much of it you see them burn out and then they walk away, or some burn out and then they'll catch the cards on occasion or whatever but there's this intense period where they watch everything for five years and then everything kind of falls apart
0: maybe it maybe it's them and their personal lives, maybe their personal lives fell apart and they a lot really of them just get good. a lot
1: of them do well, think about it this way if you're like twenty five you know, this is one thing you and I have just kind of made peace with, but we spent most of our 20s and 30s on Saturday nights not partying. We were yes. working, you yes. know?
0: That's um, why I, I don't have think very a lot few, of people few friends. That's that, seriously. Yeah. I mean, okay, what I mean is I have a lot of friends, but in terms of people I actually see, they're very few because I've given my life to this shit, Luke. I mean, That's it's true. It.
1: I have people I'm a, I, I call friends, but I hardly ever see anyone because I'm just, I do this, you know?
0: The second I took a full-time job at ESPN and started working overnights, so it was like, that's the beginning of, of a new life, Luke. It's like people that work, your friends that become like full-time waiters or bartenders or busboys, you'll never see them again, Luke.
1: Also, if you want to date, you better figure it out how you're going to do that because you're going you to tell your girl, your guy or whoever... You ain't coming on Saturday night. Well, you might be, but it's going to be in front of a computer. It's not going to be anywhere else. Uh,
0: Oh, if you're going to come, Luke, come on. All right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have tips today, Luke. You got anything you want to share or reveal to the people?
1: I will say this. I mentioned BJJ Fanatics before. I'll give them one more shout out because I just finished it this morning. Um... So, this is BJJ Fanatics is a place that started out where it was like, oh, there's these video instructionals on how to like do reverse de la Hiva from Barambolo and shit. And it was, and it was good, but it was very niche to uh, Jiu Jitsu and oftentimes Gi Jiu Jitsu. And it just expanded into everything to striking, to wrestling, to every in, uh, space in between. James Krause has a new course called Complete Cage Control. And I finished it. It's how to fence wrestle and like what the best practices are on fence wrestling. And I this is one of my weaker points um, because I did some fence wrestling while I trained, but the game has evolved a little bit, and I've had a little bit of trouble keeping up with some of the, the the meta. This was the most comprehensive thing I've seen on the topic at a high level anywhere. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that there aren't other places, but I just I haven't found them, and I've been looking too. Um, James Krause did a great job of putting this together, of showing how the system works together, of giving you concepts about how to build into the system that he's talking about and what these takedowns are and why they work. Um, can't recommend it enough. It's 100 bucks for the course, but if you're really looking to better understand fence wrestling, again, for a lot of you, you won't care. But for the ones who do, I, I can't can't more strongly recommend uh, what James Krause put together with BJJ Fanatics. Go check it out.
0: Good shit. Luke, I'll have an unscheduled one and say I just heard the beep on the Alexa that there's a package at the door, and I'm really hoping, Luke, that this package is not only a nice manscaped man bag there with all the all the things, all the, all the gimmicks we're trying to sell you, but most importantly, Luke, my favorite modern band, My Morning Jacket, uh, their new album is out, and I think I've got the vinyl sitting on my front porch, Luke, and I cannot tell you how excited I am, not only because this band is it has been so fantastic uh, since I first got into them back in like 2003, but you know, they hadn't done something new and original in the studio in like six years. They put out the waterfall two album, which was kind of previously put together. This is one of those times when a great band has an unnaturally long break between albums, gets that loving spirit back and then puts out a self titled album this deep into their career. And, I can't freaking wait to get the vinyl for the first time brand new, put it on and that be my first listen. It's interesting when you look back at your music fandom, how many times, especially us classic rock heads that like your favorite albums of all time came out, you know, 20, 30 years before you first heard them. So even some great stuff like Radiohead or even some Pearl Jam albums, I was maybe a year behind on really getting into it. There's something Luke about your band that you've been through shit with coming out with something brand new and you can intimately experience it through the headphones on the vinyl player Luke Uh, that may I mean that's that may be David French Cosby teacher levels of creepy or that's just a passion for the arts right there
1: could I get you to if I bought the vinyl could I get you to listen to the new Jedi Mind Tricks album out next month
0: yes I would trade you my uh big booty Latina's uh uh (laughs) compilation record that uh E- the great Enoch Marchand of, uh, of nice price records there in Raleigh, Raleigh Durham area uh, sent to me for you, Luke. That'd be a great trade off. I'm
1: ready. For I don't you. think it's a fair trade, but I like your spirit of enthusiasm here.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. And Luke, uh, that'll wrap up our Friday show here. Thank you so much to all the people who have liked each of our episodes, who have subscribed on YouTube, on other, uh, other platforms as well, who have, you know, filled our comments section with their, honest take about this show what they love what they don't who go to the apple podcast do a five star review leave a funny comment and try to win a gift card and those who will uh, follow us on our various social channels we ain't shit luke without this rag tag group of just great folks just great freaking people that marine with the goatee great person oh teal slapping the base at red rocks great Luke, we've got an army of love a lot of man love but we have an army of love
1: uh, are you doing anything fun this weekend?
0: Sleeping, a lot.
1: <laughs> that is fun. I agree. Yes. If you can yes. find a way to do it, dude, I'm going to the uh, rugby game tomorrow. The USA versus New Zealand.
0: Oh shit!
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Did you about like that,
0: that uh, off-topic but quasi-related that Matt Damon rugby movie?
1: Oh, where he played like the captain of the Springboks. Um,
0: yes. I didn't see. Uh, it. I've never seen it.
1: I, I saw it on a plane, actually. It's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty good. It's not bad. I mean, you know, putting a white guy at the center of the hero story of South Africa is a little much. But um...
0: I've been a little hesitant, although I did have a realization, Luke, one night on a plane on an overnight flight, not last night, that Matt Damon is actually the lead male actor of our movie-watching lifetime. Like, like you know, the post-Pacino and De Niro, you know, greatness, you know, sort of that next wave. That he's the guy, and we never realized that the whole time, but he's the guy, Luke.
1: Uh, He might be. The movie is called Invictus, and it was based on a true story. It's pretty good. It's pretty good.
0: All right. You're not a big Rounders guy? You're not going to back me up here, Luke?
1: He's oh, the Rounders. Pay that man his money is yeah. just an f- epic fucking movie. Epic I love shit.
0: Rounders. Just like this great show. Uh Showtime.com, get your 30 days free. Watch Fedor tomorrow afternoon, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Fedor in Moscow, dude, get the 30-day free trial already. Big-time boxing, all that good shit. Do that shit. Our merch. God, if you could just see how cool your washed-up ass could be in this Factory Town MMA shirt right here. (laughs) You can wear that, and you can find that at morningcombat.store. We got fanny packs, tie-dye dad hats. We got a lot of fun shit, including Luke's face. Like like Halloween-style on there, Luke.
1: Hey, ask me if my family has uh said anything when I wear MK merch in front of them about the merch.
0: Wow. Axe me. Wow. No. Well Not. Luke, that's the thing about this community we've built. Maybe you don't have, you know, a, a father or a brother who will make that call and tell you how mu- how loved you are, but Luke, I don't know if you ever check out the comment section on this. If you can swim through like the like the the real ins <laughs> the real insanely in- in- insultful stuff, um, you know, this family loves you, Luke. Okay.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I will not be checking, but I appreciate it just the same.
0: <laughs> Bill and Jen, you better not show up. in, in well, in Bill Jersey and Jen City. are like
1: Bill and Jen are like, hey, here we are. Way the fuck away from you, donks, because uh, you know we're wearing your merch, which is nice, and we're in front of like the Grand Tetons. Hey, motherfucker, what about what about the Freedom Tower? You don't like the Freedom Tower, huh? What about what about the Washington Monument, Bill and Jen? What about
0: that? I think they're going to get there, Luke. They they live an extraordinary life. Oh, Brian Laundrie's remains may have been found. More news at eleven, Luke.
1: Yeah, good riddance to that dirtbag.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, let's remove that from the post edit. Uh, my <laughs> name is Brian Campbell. That's Luke Thomas. This is Morning Combat. Uh, thank you to our team, our crew, CBS Sports, Showtime, all all the labels that pay and provide for us. And uh, enjoy your weekend, folks. A lot of great fights. Have fun. Still nice out there. Get out. Protect protect your head. Protect your mental health, Luke. Any closing shots? To fire
1: uh may all your ex lovers be satisfied <laughs> yeah
0: damn right, yes, yes.